Thank you so much, Tim, and it is a, a great joy and a privilege to be here again, and uh, we always enjoy coming and being a part here. I've been back a couple of times uh, in these five years. We've uh, had an information banquet here last year, uh, and some other people, other churches were involved in it, and, uh, but uh, it's been, uh, yeah, since then, since uh, I've spoken uh, on a Sunday, and, uh, and it is amazing. The, the ministry has multiplied by 10 in the last five years, and uh, we're seeing so much happen. Uh, God is opening new doors. How many of you know this has been a challenging year? And it was really a challenging year in uh, Honduras in Central America. Uh, and uh, they did a, they've had a, uh, from time to time, uh, and the majority of the time, a very strong shutdown in Honduras where people were only allowed out of their houses to get supplies once every two to three weeks. And because of that, a lot of the village areas got... Uh, 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 you know, begin to run out of some f food, and there, uh, there's some areas in the world where starvation is a greater danger than the virus right now uh, because of the, the global shutdowns. And uh, our team, which was traveling all over the country of Honduras, you know, catalyzing and, and doing Bible studies and, and mentoring and training, uh, kind of got shut down for a while. And then uh, the need of hunger in the villages opened the door, and we got government permission and we've started uh, raising funds for food, and we're carrying food into the villages. And uh, we've got our team has permission to go anywhere, anytime they want now, because we're carrying relief supplies. And in the process, new groups are being started, people are being saved. Since uh, between September 13th and October 15th, 850 people came to Christ just through this multiplying, right in the middle of this. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of families have been fed. Uh, every $25 we invest feeds a family of four for three weeks. And so uh, we're just, we're seeing amazing things happen. In one case, just a few weeks ago, and we've had miracles. We've had signs and wonders, miracles of healings, all kinds of things happen uh, in recent years. But I'm not going to tell you, I could tell you story after story about that. But just one related to the feeding program, we just started feeding and Mario, who's one of our top leaders down there, went into a village and what he did was he, we had uh, loaded him down with food and he, when he went into this village area, he just uh, uh, said, Lord, show me where to go. And he just walked up to this house and he, he dropped them off uh, three weeks worth of food. And when he did, he just said, he didn't know him, he just said, uh, Jesus told me to come and bring this to you. And he just turned around and left. It's just from their perspective, this mysterious man just showed up, dumped off three weeks of food and said, Jesus said, do it and disappeared. And the guy's neighbor came down the road and said, where'd you get all this food? My family doesn't have any food either. What in the world? How come the government brought you food and we didn't get any food? And the guy said, no, it wasn't the government. It's just some guy named Mario. And he came in and said, Jesus told him to come here. And the guy got real quiet and he said, well, oh, he didn't even believe in God. This was an atheist. And he went home and he got on his knees and he said, God, I don't even believe in you. But if you're there, send that guy Mario to my house with some food. He got up and walked outside and a few minutes later, Mario showed up and said, hey, Jesus sent me here to bring you this food. And I believe we have a Discovery Bible study in his house now. And so God is moving and people are coming to Christ. Uh, uh, I just got a, 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 a 
a message this morning that I saw online, a picture of a guy who was delivered from demons and saved, and, and God is just doing amazing things. So, And you're a part of it, and thank God for, for this church, which has been faithful and, and continues to be faithful to support. Uh, Pastor Carroll is one of our board of directors, uh, is on our board of directors, and we, we appreciate that very much. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to... Uh, 1 Corinthians, for just a moment, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and then come over to Matthew 28, which is where we're going to look at. And you might know I would be on the Great Commission to some degree. But Matthew 28, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want to just get down to just to some bottom line things today that I think will, that I not only think I know are vitally important in all of our lives, and especially this year. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, Paul wrote this. He said, For no one can lay another foundation than that which was laid, which is Jesus Christ. No one can lay another foundation. The foundation is Jesus Christ. And I want to point out that what we need right now in our lives and, and everywhere in the world, but, but in our lives and especially here and in my life and your life, all of us, we need a strong foundation right now in our life, a foundation that cannot be shaken. The Bible says that the day is coming where everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And how many of you know 2020 has been a year of some shaking? And it's still shaking. And we don't know what the shaking's going to look like and, 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 and where we're going from here. You know, the Bible prophesies that it doesn't get better in the world from here on. And so we're in a time of shaking, a time of instability. And if there was ever a time that people need a foundation, something that won't shake in their life, it is right now. And, and Paul tells us exactly what the foundation is. Uh, the foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you know, most people don't get real excited about the foundation. I came up uh, Friday, I drove up Friday, I've been staying with uh, my Uncle Carol and Aunt Debbie, and uh, uh, he teaches at a Bible school here, and I was a guest teacher at the Bible school with him on, on, on yesterday, but uh, we, we came up and stayed at their house, and uh, uh, this, uh, the last time I stayed with them, they lived in another house, so this was my first time there, beautiful house, I came in, I love it, I love the living room, I love the way, uh, they've got a whole wall that's just a glass, you know, just a mirror, and then they have all these people's pictures all over the wall, I've never seen anything like it, it's like a shrine, uh, uh, but... I, I walk in, I'm like, good Lord. Uh, and uh, uh, so, uh, now look, I'm an only child. My, my, uh, 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 Carol's older brother is my dad. My dad and mom are 85 and 84, and they live with my wife and I. And I'm an only child, and then I only have an only child. Uh, and she's 31 years old. She's the city clerk of Paducah, Kentucky. She's the youngest city clerk in the state of Kentucky. And uh, yeah, she's a sharp girl, takes just after her dad. And, um, but so we're kind of only, only just a small, you know, not the whole clan thing here going on. You know, I'm just, I never saw anything like it, just a gigantic uh, group. And, but but they're, 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 all, they're all good looking, like all the rest of our family. And uh, it's just some of us are blessed that way. But, you know, I walked in, I loved their house, their kitchen, their, the bedroom, everything. Went upstairs, saw where uh, Pastor Study is and where he broadcasts from and everything. And it's just great. It's a beautiful house. You know, the one thing I did not do, I did, when I came in, I said, man, I, I love your house. Everything is great. 
I did, I failed to say, is, would it be possible for me like to climb, crawl under the house? Could I, could I kind of just come down and see what's down here? Would it be possible? You know, how many have ever, you know, your normal guests, they'll brag on your furniture. Oh, I love, the, I love the layout. I love the walls. I love the colors. I love, but nobody ever says, and could I just crawl underneath, you know, and just look at the foundation? Or how about if I could just, you know, kind of dig into the walls here? I'd like to look at the pipes. Could I, could I see the water pipes and everything? Well, I want to tell you, I found out this year that that is important stuff. On March the 12th, just as the shutdown was happening here in Kentucky, and our home is in western Kentucky near Paducah, uh, I, was, I was actually having lunch with one of our other board members at a restaurant in Benton, and uh, uh, I get this phone call. That we, our lunch had just ended, and me and this guy, we, we, uh, before all COVID and everything, we met for lunch every week for, for a lot of times, and uh, and. Uh, uh, one week I'd buy, one week he'd buy, and so it was my turn to buy. So we had just finished, and he got up and left to go to work, and I was getting ready to get up and, and go uh, pay. My, my cell phone rings. It's my dad, and I say, again, they live in the house with us. We live in a we have a three-story house. Mom and dad are on the ground floor. Patty and I are on the second floor, and the third floor is kind of a, uh, my study, books, and library, and all that up there on the third floor. Anyway, uh, Dad says, and by the way, it was this downpour rain, just downpour. And where we were at in the restaurant, we could hardly hear each other speak. Uh, from, that's how loud the, the rain was. And that was the way it was at the house. And they did not hear that upstairs in one of our bedrooms, a pipe burst through the wall and gushed gallons and gallons and gallons of water. And Dad was downstairs in his little room study. Mama was sitting in the living room. And they heard all the water, and the, but it was raining outside, and they had no idea that the upstairs was being flooded. And in just a few minutes, I, and this might have been going on for, th I don't know how long this was going because so much damage was done. They got up, Mama went up to go to her bathroom, and when she walked around, she noticed water on the ceiling in the dining room. And when she went into her bedroom bathroom, the ceiling was collapsing. And the floor was flooded. The floor in her, the floor downstairs was flooded, and the ceiling was collapsing. So dad called me and, and, and it was like, what do we do? And I said, oh, there's a water key out in the garage and the, the turn off. And I figured I'll never be able to tell him where it's at. I called my son-in-law who was at our office five miles away. I said, Jacob, quick, drive to the house. The water key's at it. Run, get it, turn off the water because he could get there faster than I could. I paid the bill. In 20 minutes, I was home and Jacob was there and had turned off the water. But the damage was horrible. And the, the downstairs was flooded, the upstairs was This was March the 12th. What a convenient time for this to happen. And uh, we got a plumber in, and, they, and, and he showed what had happened. There was the pipes. We've lived in that house. The four of us moved in. We moved in six years ago, and Mom and Dad moved in with us five, five and a half years ago. And, and uh, it's, a, it's a good house, but we did not realize that the pipes were old and brittle. And they put some new pipes right there where the burst was. But then I said, now, is this problem going to resurface? And the guy said, uh, well, it, you, who knows? These are old, brittle pipes. And then we got, you know, you get the service master in, and they run the fans for two days, and you dry out. And we had to put mom and dad in a hotel for a couple of days, and, and then it dried out, and then we get the... All the carpet upstairs is ripped out, and the, the hallway, the two bedrooms, and, and, and then downstairs, the ceilings, and the dining room, and their bedroom, and the bathroom, and it was thousands of dollars. Fortunately, we had good insurance. 
And the insurance told us that they, except for the deductible, they would pay for everything except they wouldn't repair the pipes. They wouldn't repair the, they wouldn't repair the pipes. And the problem is the pipes are the problem. And the guy told me, he said, now we can fix all this. And, and, and I started saying, well, what would it take to repipe these old pipes in this house on, all, you know, on every level? And they gave me some astronomical figure, and we started shopping around. And I told my wife, I said, Patty, there is no way we can just do the outward repairs. I, I, I'll never be able to rest if we fix everything up. But I know those pipes are behind that wall. I will never rest again. And we finally found really good plumbers, and they came in, and I want you to know that they, to do all the repairs, everything from repiping the entire house to repairing everything downstairs, everything upstairs, the final touch in this beautiful 2020 that we're in took six, six months and two days. But it was done on September the 14th, hallelujah. But the most important thing, if you came to my house now, you would see the new ceiling, downstairs you would see the new carpeting up the stairs and all the new carpeting we've put on all on the second and third floor the and new uh, wood laminate all over the second floor it look our house looks better than you ever, but you know what I'm excited about I'm excited about those beautiful blue and red expandable pipes high-tech pipes that nobody can see but I know are there with the shutoff inside the house, no water key necessary, and I can shut their water off right now on this phone. <laughs> I have an app that shows water usage, anything that happens, and I, with a touch of my finger right now, I can cut their water off. <laughs> They're watching this on live stream right now. Don't mess with me. We have the high, in, in our little neck of the redneck woods in western Kentucky, we have the highest tech piping anywhere. If you come in my house, you can't see the pipes. It's behind the walls. You'll see the beautiful walls. You'll see the new flooring. It looks better than it did before. But what you need to know is it was the problem was, was what was behind the surface. And the real issue in our lives is what is the foundation. And if the foundation is not right, it doesn't matter what you build on top of it. It doesn't matter how pretty it is around here. All the things that people look at and all the things where you see the symptoms of the problems are not the real problem. The problem in our lives is a lack of foundation. The problem in our lives is not, sometimes we want to, you know, we want to go for, you know, marriage counseling and that's good or counseling about this or counseling about that or we have this or that. But I want to tell you something, sometimes the issue is not a marriage issue, it's a Jesus issue. No other foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Now, I want to lay that foundation very quickly here, and I want you to go to Matthew 28, and very quickly, the last, we call it the Great Commission. I'm going to read from verse 16 to verse 20, because if, we're, if Jesus is the foundation, then the foundational teaching, the New Testament is built on the foundation of those first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, which is the story of the life and the ministry and the, the personhood and the ministry and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we can sum it up in this point. At the very end of Matthew, it's all done. Jesus has been born. He's grown up. He's lived. He's done his miracles. He's revealed himself to his disciples. He's gone to the cross. He's died. He's raised from the dead. And he told them, meet me in Galilee. And they now come to Galilee. And Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 says, then the 11 disciples went away to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Everybody say worship. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. That's kind of strange, isn't it? But actually the word doubt there is not the word that's normally for unbelief. It just means they kind of hesitated. That, that word doubted has, an, has a meaning that uh, what I think it's saying, what I think it's saying is, they were, they're looking at a guy that has been raised from the dead, but not just raised from the dead like Lazarus, but raised into a glorified immortal body. I mean, it's like the transfiguration every time they see him. And they worship him, but they can't hardly get their minds around it. How many of you have ever seen somebody, uh, you've, you've seen something and you believe it, but you still can't wrap your mind around it? When they were looking at, Je how many of you know when you see Jesus, it's going to seem like that to you? But what did they do? They worshipped him. And then Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. That's what we're doing. Making disciples. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe. But I like the translation that's better that says teaching them to obey. All things I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I want to point out two foundational factors right there. And these are the foundational factors that have to be in our life. And when we are, in order to be a disciple, how many of you know you can't make a disciple unless you are a disciple? You know, nobody can catch a disease from you unless you've got it. Just talking about it. You know, nobody, as bad as COVID is, nobody ever caught it from just talking about it. You have to actually be exposed to it. And the same thing is about being a disciple. And being a disciple of Jesus Christ, uh, it, it's not enough just to talk about it. You need to be a disciple and then you can make disciples. And so uh, these are foundational in our life. And there's two factors here that are foundational. One is with the word they worshipped him. And the other one is the word teaching them to obey. And, and, and I just sum it up. The, the first level of the foundation is worship. And the second level of the foundation is obey. Worship and obey is the relationship to Jesus Christ that is foundational in your life and on which everything else is built. And if that foundation is in your life, 
regardless of what comes or regardless of what does not come, regardless of what happened in 2020 or happens in the rest of 2020 or what happens in 2021 or the rest of your life to the last moment of your life in this world to the last moment and there will never be a last moment to eternity forever, this foundation will never be shaken, the foundation of Jesus Christ. This has to be the foundation. This has to be the pipes behind the walls. This, has got to, this is what the real thing is. And once that becomes the reality, it brings life to every other part of the building. And what is that foundation again? It's Jesus Christ. And in what relation? Worship and obey. What does the worship speak to? The worship speaks to the fact that at this moment, at this moment right here, these men have an, a revelation of the absolute personhood of Jesus. They know that he is God in the flesh. See, the foundational truth of your spiritual life is simply Jesus is Lord. But what does that mean? What does Jesus is Lord mean? Hold your place there and go to the scripture that all of you know, and it was probably used with you on the day you got saved, Romans chapter 10. It's the it's home plate of the Roman road, Romans chapter 10. I want to start reading in verse 9 and read through verse 13. And, and you've heard this. Many of you could quote this. Many of you have led people to Jesus with this passage of scripture. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hallelujah. I like that. I mean, that's, not, that's unequivocal, is it not? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that he is raised from the dead... You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be ashamed, or will not be put to shame. In other words, when you stand before him, you're not going to get a bad surprise. There's one day you don't want a surprise. When you stand before God, you want no surprises. And he says, you won't be surprised. You will not be ashamed, whoever believes in him. For there's no distinction between the Jew and Greek. It doesn't matter what our race is or any other thing like that or status in any level. For the same Lord is over, the same Lord over all is generous toward all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to point out something to you. When he quotes everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, this is verse 13. So understand that Romans 10.9 and Romans 10.13 are the same context, the same paragraph. This is the same paragraph. When he says Lord in verse 9 and he says Lord in verse 13, he means the same Lord. But verse 13 is a direct quote from Joel 2.32. And Joel 2.32 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And in Hebrew it says, whoever calls on the name of Yahweh shall be saved. So in verse 13, 
Lord is Yahweh. And it is Yahweh who is generous to all. And what we must confess is, Jesus is Yahweh. You see, Jesus is Lord. Some people don't even understand what that means. Jesus is Lord does not merely mean Jesus is boss. When you say Jesus Christ is Lord, you're, you're not just saying He is my Lord. Even though you are saying that, but you're saying more. The saving confession is not a confession about you. It's a confession about Him. And the specific confession about Him is that the revelation, I have received the revelation that Jesus Christ is Yahweh God in the flesh who is alive forevermore. He is the God-man. I confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Yahweh in the flesh. Thus, He is worthy of worship. Now look, I want to tell you something. No matter how long you have believed that, do me a favor and don't ever get used to it. Never let that, you know, I, what it bothers me sometimes when somebody, we're talking to somebody about salvation or whatever, and they say, yeah, I'm saved. I took care of that a long time ago. I took care of that. You know, that's kind of like, you know, I don't know. What, what you know, I, I, I took care of that, you know. It's just like getting a flu shot. I took care of it, man. I took the shot, man. I did it. It's something I did. I mean, you know, now let's move on beyond that stuff. Let's get on to the deeper stuff because, you know, I took care of that a long time ago. I want to tell you something. My salvation is not something I took care of a long time ago and I never have to look in the rearview mirror again. My salvation is an ongoing worship of the revelation of Jesus Christ as Yahweh in the flesh. It is an absolute relationship with the triune God through the second person of the Trinity who is Yahweh incarnate. That is mind-blowing. You see, I don't, I don't trip over stuff like the doctrine of the Trinity. I glory in it. I worship the Trinity. I worship the God who's, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and whose name is Yahweh. And the son's name is Jesus. And right there at that moment, look at this revelation of his deity. Christ has been raised from the dead and he comes to them. They worship him. And then he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. And he tells them, go make disciples. And he says, baptize them into the name, the singular name, one, one God, one essence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the revelation, the full revelation of the Trinity at this moment in Galilee with these 11 dudes. And then he says, and besides that, know this, I will be with you always. And I got news for you. When you, even when you are glorified and in heaven, you won't be able to be everywhere. Only God is omnipresent. And so right here, what am I saying? This is the foundation. The foundation has to do with who God is. 
the foundation, there's no other foundation. And, and, and it's, such, it's so foundational that Romans 10 says it is the saving faith. And I want to declare to you the truth that there is a God. And he is a triune God. And God the Son came into this earth and took on flesh. And he, he is God and he became man. Jesus is God eternally, and from here on, he's man from here on. He is the glorified God-man, and he is the Lord, and he is the ruler, and one day, he's coming back and taking over. And that's who you worship. Jesus Christ is Lord. And don't ever take those words for granted. And in fact, every day, lift your hands. Don't just like, again, I took care of that a long time ago. I'm taking care of it. I'm not saying getting saved again. I'm talking about I am as enamored this moment with the personhood of Jesus as I was the first day I had any revelation of him. In fact, I'm more enamored of him. I'm more in love with him. That's the first level of the foundation. The second level of the foundation is this. He says, teach them to obey. The foundation then of your Christian life, the foundation of all victory that you will have, the foundation of your walking it out in this life, that foundation in you is not merely the faith in who he is and what he's done, but it goes beyond that to now it's the foundation of obedience to what he has said. And well, how do I know what he has said? Uh, I've got one with red letters. And not only that, everything in the New Testament is the continued teaching of Jesus by the Spirit through the apostles. Your Bible is the Word of God. And obedience to Jesus is foundational. And let me, I'm, I'm about to land the plane. Let me circle one more time here and then we'll come in. One more scripture, the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. Now we know the Sermon on the Mount is, man, that's three chapters of heavy hitting stuff. I mean, that gets down to right where we live. It touches our lives. It touches our families, our marriages, our, our behaviors, our words, our attitudes. Every, he tells us clearly how we're supposed to operate, what he expects. In fact, that we, you can't obey the Sermon on the Mount. Some people don't think you can obey it to the millennium. No, you can't obey it. You can obey it in this life, but you can't obey it without the power of the Holy Ghost. You can't obey it without being a regenerated believer in Jesus Christ. But with the Holy Spirit, you can absolutely obey the Sermon on the Mount. And here's what he, and everything else he said. And here's what he says in the, at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 24, Matthew 7, 24. Listen to this. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded uh, on a rock. And everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be likened to a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And I want you to notice something. Oftentimes, I mean, until, literally until 
uh, a few years ago, 15 years ago or so, when we started getting involved in the disciple-making movement and, and, and learning how to make disciples that make disciples and get involved in this process the way we're in it now, I had always read that. I can tell you that until at least 15 years ago, I had read that, par that parable wrong. I had misunderstood it. Because somebody said, you got to build your house on the rock because the rains come. You know, if you build your house on the rock, the rains and the storms and the winds come and the house doesn't fall. But if you build your house on the sand, you know, the stuff happens and your house falls. Okay, I got it. So what's the rock? Somebody said, Jesus. Yes, but not in that passage. In Matthew 7, the foundation is not Jesus himself. The foundation is your obedience to Jesus. He said, the guy who built the house on the rock is the one who hears my sayings and obeys them. The house on the sand is not somebody that has never heard of Jesus. The house on the sand hears the sayings but does not obey them. And so that tells me something about this foundational issue in our life. What it's going to take to have a life that is built on a foundation that no matter what storms come, no matter what wind comes, no matter what 2020 brings, 2021 brings, no matter what happens, no matter what happens around us, no, what, no matter what's happening in our own life, no matter what's happening in our own life, if we have this foundation, number one, the foundation of Jesus, which is he is Yahweh in the flesh and he is alive. He has died for me. He has risen from, from, from the dead and I worship you and my worship of you is literally the most important thing in my life. My worship of you is the most important thing in my life. And then one level is built on top of that. And because of who you are, because of who you are, now I will hear what you say and obey it. And when, when push comes to shove in my life, and when I have a decision to make in my family, in my marriage, in my, with my children, on my job, do I tell the truth or do I not? Do I compromise here or do I not? Do I indulge in this or do I not? Do I say this or do I not? There's something in the red letters that speaks to that. And I'm going to make a choice. My flesh, I don't know about you, but my flesh tends to always not want to go with the red letters. That's because I'm not as beautiful as this body is. You know, one thing I love about 2020, I wear a mask. My parents are in their 80s, and we try to protect them, and I wear a mask most places. And I do it to, to, for their protection. And, and my wife's a teacher at Murray State University, and she teaches face-to-face -face in college. And so we use all the precautions we can. The one good thing about the mask, I know a lot of people don't like the mask. The one good thing about it, and it's been a blessing to me, I've waited for it all my life. Those of us with pretty eyes but ugly faces, this is the time... <laughs> that we've been waiting for. I, I, all my life, I'm 58 years old. I've been waiting for this my whole life. And I hear people complaining about it. And I'm saying, I have never looked better.
I don't even know why I said that. I, I don't even know where I was. Did that have anything to do with this? I, Here's my point. No matter what it looks like on the outside, it's the part that people don't automatically see. The part that wrecked our house and cost us thousands of dollars that the, even the insurance wouldn't pay for was the real problem. And I want to say to you today, some of you, whether you're watching online or hearing me in this room right now, I want to say to you, some of you think you have a marriage problem, but it's not. It's a Jesus problem. Some of you think you have a financial problem, but it's a Jesus problem. Some may think you have a health problem. Some may think, and those other problems are real. I'm not downplaying that. that the truth about it is, many times the obedience to Jesus becomes the, the vehicle for healing in all those areas. But the bottom line is this. My message today, and I've been giving messages like this everywhere I've been preaching for the last few months, God has really dealt with me to speak to the church, to speak to the body of Christ. I have two burdens in my life right now, two. One is the lost, the unreached people groups, the 372 indigenous unreached people groups that are in the Western Hemisphere, the, 32, the 31 unreached people groups, indigenous unreached people groups in the United States. That's a big burden to me. We have to disciple them. We have to engage them. We, we, we've got our goal with our ministry and some others that we're partnered with is to engage every one of those people groups within the next five years with the gospel and with disciple-making strategy. That's my big burden. But my other burden is the church, the body of Christ. Because I see that in the church at large, at large, a survey was done by Lifeway and Ligonier uh, Research about a month ago. Only... 30% of self-identified evangelicals clearly affirmed the deity of Christ. Did you get that? 30% of them outright denied it. Another 30% said, He's God in some way, but I don't understand how. Yeah, he's, he's a created being. He was the first thing God created. Jesus is Yahweh. He is the uncreated creator incarnate. And that, my brothers and sisters, is the foundation. And if the foundation is crumbling, I don't care how beautiful the house is, it's going down. And so I have two burdens. One is the unreached people groups, and the other one is we've got to make sure that the body of Christ is built on the right foundation. And that foundation is who he is. He is God in the flesh. And worship him. I mean worship him every day. And obey him. Literally open this book, not merely to learn information, but to get your marching orders for the day from your Lord, from the one who is boss. That's the foundation. And I'm going to tell you this. There's a lot of problems. Look, the storms come, the winds blow, the, the waves come. 2020 hit us all, didn't it? In one way or another. And life hits everybody in one way or another. But it doesn't matter what gets thrown at you. 
your house will not fall on that foundation. How many of you want to know for sure that's your foundation today? Would you just stand to your feet right now? And uh, Pastor Tim's going to come back in just a minute, but this was just the word that was burning in my spirit today. Brother Tim, this is just, when I knew I was going to come, this was the word for, for me. I don't know if you need it, I need it. 90% of my preaching is to myself. But we've got to make sure that that foundation is there. And here's the thing. It's not hard to lay that foundation. It does take a revelation of the Holy Spirit. I mean, literally, nobody can force you to believe that the man, Jesus Christ, is actually the uncreated creator of God come in the flesh. Nobody can force you to believe that he died on the cross literally taking your place and all of the punishment, including your sicknesses for your healing on that cross, and that he literally rose again, not just resuscitated, not just rose from the dead only to die later, you know, just raised and healed, but raised immortal in a glorified immortal body, eternally God in perfected flesh. The same kind of body that he will give you when he comes again. Nobody can force you to believe that. But I pray that by the Holy Spirit, that faith is dropped into your heart right now. And that you become so infatuated with that truth. That that becomes the number one reality in your life. That from this point forward directs everything. And you never make another decision without saying, and what did he say to do? Worship and obey. So in your own way, I'm going to pray for you, and in your own way, I just want you to pray to God, Lord Jesus, I want to know you more than ever before. Lord Jesus, I, I do believe in you. I believe you're God in the flesh. I believe you died. I believe you al you're alive, and you are my Lord, and I want you to to come in in every dimension, take over everything, take over everything. I'm a blank slate for you to write on, Lord. From this moment forward, Lord of my life, I want to be a disciple. I want to be a disciple who, is, who worships you and obeys you and whose life thereby is so contagious that other people are catching this discipleship from me. That's what I want, Lord. Father, I pray that for every man, every woman, every young person, every child, everybody that hears this in any format, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that today, Lord, by your Spirit, I just pray for a fresh revelation of Jesus. Lord, there's other things. No other foundation can be laid. Now, we build on that with gold and silver and precious stone. We, we build on that from your word. We build other information and other knowledge. But we never get away from that foundation. And that foundation permeates everything of our life. And Father God, I just pray that your people will fall in love with you again. And will have a faith and an understanding of who you are that we will be that people of God that is firmly on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And nothing will shake us. Nothing. But not only will nothing shake us, we will shake the world. We will shake the world. They will say of us, those people that have turned the world upside down have come here too. <laughs> when you're unshakable, then you can shake everything else. 
God, let us know you that way. Jesus, that we will know you that way. That we will radically obey you that way. Holy Spirit, make that real. Do that filling, changing, sanctifying, transforming work in our life, Lord, that is needed for that. Lord, we receive it right now. If you receive it, just lift your hands right now and say, Lord, I receive that. Holy Spirit, come. Uh, do that filling, sanctifying, empowering work and exalt Jesus in my life like never before. In Jesus' mighty name. Can you just lift your hands and give him praise? His presence is here right now. I see his presence in this building right now. Lord, we bless your name. Holy Spirit, touch your people. Manifest your gifts. Manifest your healing right now in Jesus' name. Praise God.